Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the latest episode of The Shamrock. Pete Sampson joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt Fortuna. We're about three weeks away from the Gator Bowl, Notre Dame versus South Carolina. I think since our last podcast, Michael Mayer and Isaiah Foskey both have opted out um, to declare for the NFL draft. Uh, some Notre Dame opponent news. Notre Dame will have faced new coaches at Louisville, Stanford, and Navy next year. Um the Mackey Award sent everyone clutching their pearls around Notre Dame uh, in a tizzy. And I, I look, I get it. Um, Mayer was a freaky, incredible talent. Uh, Dylan Allard's decommitted, um, which if you listen to another podcast on The Athletic, <laughs> The Andy Staples Show, I think they were sort of cheering that on because they give him something else to talk about with relative to uh, Deion Sanders. Uh, and then Notre Dame's transfer portal hunt. Um Continues still without a quarterback. Uh, one of their top receivers, Keegan Johnson from Iowa, actually committed to Kansas State over the weekend. Uh, and I'm told he actually canceled a visit to Notre Dame to do that, which was a little bit of a surprise. But, Matt, we've got a lot of odds and ends to cover. Um, where did you want to start? There's Because there's a lot a lot of places we could go to, to open the pod. There's a lot, but nothing that's like all that mind-blowing or surprising during a stretch in the calendar, in the college football calendar, where – there's just so many left turns. So, yeah, I was, I was in Vegas last week for the College Football Hall of Fame and Sports Business Journal panels, and that's kind of the meeting point for a lot of ADs around the country. And I, I saw some people at, you know, with South Bend and Notre Dame ties there, and they said, you know, it's about as calm and copacetic of a time period in South Bend at this time of the calendar year as they can remember, right? I mean, obviously, it's never a, a great thing when your starting quarterback decides to enter the transfer portal before the bowl game, but uh, – like Mayor and Foskey, that's the norm, right? That's expected. Right. I think a lot of people freaked out when Kyron Williams and Kyle Hamilton did it last year, but like that's reality right now, especially when you're playing for the Gator Bowl and not for a New Year's Six game with legitimate, you know, top five consequences. Um, so, yes, Dylan Edwards, surprising on the surface. If you read our colleague Ari Wasserman, um, that wasn't like Dion sprinkling pixie dust and convincing. Dylan Edwards to ditch Notre Dame. There was a deep, deep relationship that goes back many years. Deion Sanders coached Dylan Edwards way back when, and now that he's at the Power Five level, um, that was a guy that that became a real option. Uh, uh, Edwards told Ari, you know, it was a difficult conversation with Marcus Freeman, Dylan McCullough, whom I believe visited him in home two days before he decided to to go to Colorado. The, the day he got offered by Colorado was the night that Freeman and McCullough visited and Edwards tweeted out the offer. I, I quote tweeted it and then got a bunch of replies. What was the tweet? It was deleted. Um, <laughs> like it, it was up for about a minute uh, before Edwards took it down. But yeah, it was the timing of it was not great. Um, I know talking to people around Notre Dame and inside the program, they were not overly surprised by it. Um, 
this was something they knew might be in the water for a minute uh, after Edwards got or uh, Sanders got promoted. And like uh, Dylan Edwards is, has like Chris Tyree level speed, um, but is even smaller than Chris Tyree. So it's like for Notre Dame fans who remember the that LSU team in 2006 that smoked Notre Dame in the Gator Bowl, they had a kid named Trendon Holiday who was like, oh yeah, five seven or five six, like. That's who Dylan Edwards reminds me of, like kind of a gadget player, but like it's a really good freaking gadget if you can get it to go off. So it's, that's, that's a, a gadget player. Notre Dame hasn't exactly had. I mean, um, no. Brian Mason made no friends with the old Notre Dame <laughs> staff with his comments last night about how underwhelming they'd been on special teams before he got there. Uh, but they haven't had an elite punt returner or guy who can make plays no. in space like, like Isaiah that McKenzie, Remember him from yeah. Georgia? Like he was going to Notre Dame for a minute. Um, you know, those kinds of players are are rare, and I feel like they're, they're kind of boomer bust types. Um, you know, in terms of a pure running back, though, like they, they will have, if no one else leaves, they'll have seven scholarship yeah. running backs next year, which is kind of nuts. Um, and I would, if you, if you rank them one to eight and included Dylan Edwards in that, I'd probably put Dylan Edwards like seventh, um, maybe sixth. But there's, I mean, he's... He is an intriguing prospect. Notre Dame would be better off with him. I don't want. I don't want this to come off as like, oh, it's no big thing, because um, it's hard to find four foot four uh, four point three speed. Um, they have some really good athletes at that position, but the quickness Dylan Edwards has is is pretty freaky. I'm uh, going down the Trent Holiday wormhole now because that was a blast <laughs> from the past. I covered his last college game. Uh, Penn State LSU Capital One Bowl, and he had a big punt return that almost sparked an LSU comeback in it in the worst weather conditions I think I'd ever seen in my life. Uh, five foot five. Holy cow. He's even shorter Whoa, than. I didn't know he was that short. Uh, yeah. His Wikipedia page says he's one of the shortest players in NFL history. Um, look, I don't want to, yeah, to your point, I, I don't want to be like, oh, it's, it's nothing. They don't need him anyway. Like, he's a top 200 overall prospect. I think he's. Right. A difference maker at Colorado, which may I remind you, uh, won one game last year and was the worst team in Power Five, I think, by a mile. Um, he's also would have been the 14th ranked player in this current recruiting class for Notre Dame. So right. he's the second highest rated player Colorado's gotten in the last six years. Wow! Uh, did you <laughs> did you see Mike Sanford's Instagram after Deion Sanders' <laughs> speech uh, about his luggage and? No, but man, my uh, my brain could go any number of directions there. Please, please inform our listeners what Mike Sanford had to post about that. It was uh, so we all saw Deion Sanders' his, his speech to his team, which uh, when he took over the job, basically about how you better enter the portal. I've got, I'm bringing my luggage. And it's Louie. again. Uh, separate conversation. I had no problem with what he said. I think he's the only coach in American history who would like film that and then put it out there. Uh, but I think every new coach ever has said something to that effect, especially to a terrible team. Uh, I don't know what, if anything happened behind the scenes, but the day after that, Mike Sanford's Instagram story had a, uh, it was like a meme that said like, you're either in first class or no class. Um, <laughs> I don't think you have to read too hard between the lines to figure out what he may have been referring to at that one. So not being retained is what you're saying. I don't think so. They hired Sean Lewis, um, former Kent State head coach, uh, which, look, that's a huge get for Deion Sanders because as far as I know, there are no ties there. Um, 
And Sean Lewis consistently ran one of the fastest offenses in the country at Kent State, which, in my opinion, is the hardest job in the country. Um, and look, Dante Cephas, their best player, he led the MAC in receiving yards per game this year. Recently offered by Colorado. Recently offered by Colorado. Recently offered by a lot of people. I think Georgia and Oklahoma offer also offered yep. him as well. Notre Dame, I believe, Penn State. offered him. Oh, Notre Dame um, definitely offered him. That's that's a guy to keep an eye on, really, for everybody. I mean, obviously, you make Notre Dame better immediately. Uh, it's hard not to think Colorado would be attractive to him, but I don't know that. I don't know the kid. Um, he's going to have plenty of options around. And I, I don't like, I think Deion Sanders and Colorado are going to be a thorn in college football side in general because it's so new. It's so different. And I think all of us in this college football world, fans, media alike, have spent more hours talking about Colorado football the last two weeks than we did probably <laughs> in the last two decades. Uh, and I'm not exaggerating. I mean, they were the talk of Vegas. Um, I'm fascinated to see how that plays out. It's definitely going to be interesting. Unfortunately for Notre Dame, it, it, it you know kind of encroached on their territory this week. I, I, I think they'll be okay, though. I mean, we're, what, nine days away from signing day as we speak. Are you expecting any surprises from here on out in um, regards to this no. current class? I mean, I'm, I'm not. Um, Peyton Bowen decommitting and going to Oklahoma would not be a surprise, though. Um, so that's, that's something to monitor. Um, I think that... I've talked to enough people that have told me he's going to flip. Um, I've talked to people who said that they, Notre Dame's hopeful that they'll keep him. So I don't think that a lot of people have a lot of confidence one way or the other on that. If but if I had to if I had to guess, I think he'll sign with Oklahoma. Um, beyond that, I think Notre Dame is pretty solid. Uh, there is there was some scuttle about Jaden Lamar in Oregon, but with Dylan Edwards out, um, you know, I think maybe that solidifies some things there. But I, as I I think told our listeners um, last summer, if a prospect that Notre Dame is recruiting suddenly is involved with Oregon, I would be concerned. Um, Who because, could you possibly be referring to? Yeah, one? right. It's uh, because they have some NIL stuff happening there that like can turn a kid's head and turn a kid's um, a kid's family's head. So those are probably be the two to monitor. Um, beyond that, I think it's it's pretty steady. Uh, I'm trying to write something on Kenny Minchie um, for next week, the quarterback from Nashville area, and uh, you know talking to people around. I was I was sort of asked like, you know, what's what's he like? Because I think so much of quarterback recruiting, whether you hit or not, is personality driven as much as it is skill set. Maybe not as much, but personality and work ethic and just sort of overall comportment is is underrated at that position. And somebody said that his personality reminded him a lot of Julian Love, which I was like, wow, that mm. is that's. What a kind of a unique comp because you always think quarterback to quarterback, right? Um, but it's a comp for any quarterback, Julian was a different a, a, in a good way, a very, very different oh, yeah. cat. Yeah, I mean, just sharp, smart, you know, not somebody you have to worry about off the field at all. Um, you know, kind of a old soul a little bit. Um, and man, if if Kenny Mitchie's personality is all like Julian Love, that is, um, that would make me very optimistic that he will be a hit. Um, for Notre Dame. Speaking of quarterbacks, uh, we covered the Drew Pine situation last week. Um, since then, there's a little bit more clarity about Tyler Buckner's availability. Um, Is there? <laughs> a little bit more. Uh, it went from like cloak and dagger to like, oh, he's practicing with the first team. Um, 
On Sunday, talked to Tommy Reese, said that uh, Buckner's practices over the weekend, or at least one of them, was was maybe the best he's had in his years at Notre Dame. I think if you took that at face value, that means Buckner's starting. Uh, because if his if he's practicing better now than when he beat out Drew Pine in six days or seven days, <laughs> that could only lead you to believe that he will also beat out Steve Angeli without too much trouble. Um, and even the way that Reese talked about Angeli, while complimentary, um, I don't think Reese did much to stoke a, oh, we have a quarterback competition. I think Freeman has been somewhat cagey about it. But that may have more to do with like, is Buckner healthy or not? Than if than if Buckner is good enough to play or not. Because for Reese to talk about Buckner making plays from the pocket, and you know, it's more a matter of getting the timing down and getting the checks and the pre snaps and all that stuff. Like, if physically he's able to do it, I would think that Notre Dame would try like hell to make sure that they turned him loose and let Buckner get the first crack against South Carolina. Yeah, that was going to be my follow-up for you is, should he play? Um, if, yeah, and that's like, I don't I don't know. Um, if he's healthy, yes, but if like, he's healthy, how do you but determine it, he's if, healthy if you're not letting him take contact? Yeah, and that's, yeah, and I asked Freeman about that on Saturday and said, you know, I wouldn't put any quarterbacks through contact. And I was like, I get it, but my question was more like terms of, okay, this guy hasn't taken a hit in and the last hit he months. took yeah. knocked him out for ten and a half weeks. So I understand why you're not going to just like, hey Marist, could you come and blow up yeah. Tyler Buckner here um, just to see? Like that is ridiculous. But um, I guess I would. I'd, I'd be curious what you think about this. If I had any doubt about Buckner, I would start on Jelly. And I'm talking about doubt as like health. from a medical health yeah. durability standpoint. Like if there is any doubt at all. I think you have to roll with Angeli on this. Like you can't just it can't be like, well, I'm eighty percent. Like either you're a hundred percent or you start Angeli. I'm with you. And I'd like to think, I don't know this, you could probably speak to this better than I could. Um, you know, in the case of Tyler Buckner, we're talking about a blue chip recruit. This isn't his first rodeo. I don't I, I think he's smart enough. I think his family, his team is smart enough to not just put their head down and do whatever the hell the coaches tell them. Oh, Finally yeah. trust the coaches. I don't mean that to say they'll be misled. Just as far as this is not going to be like you're starting. Well, okay, it's. I think he I has some agency in the decision. There will be yes, this will be a, a thorough conversation. I mean, if you're a Notre Dame fan, certainly you want to see what this guy can do, right? We're still kind of waiting. It's the most to, interesting to see thing about the game, right? Like, I think I, so. I mean, I don't, what yeah. I want to see, I want to see Tyler Buckner run the real offense, not what they ran at Ohio State. And I want to see Tyler Buckner work behind this offensive line as it's playing now, not as it was playing in early September. Because uh, like I'm, that's the, the like the two biggest things for Notre Dame season to me was like Marcus Freeman shows growth as a head coach, Tyler Buckner grows shows growth as a starting quarterback. I think we got one. Number two just got like ripped out <laughs> from under Notre Dame against Marshall at, and to just get like a think, little glimpse of that against South Carolina, I think could be significant. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. We learned about number one in large way because of number two, right? Like he was dealt a really yeah. tough hand two weeks yes. in and he responded well. I mean, I, I don't know if I've said this on this pot or not, but you can agree or disagree with me here. Eight and four is eight and four. No one's throwing a parade in South Bend over it. But I will say, as far as like the future of Notre Dame football, um, I come out of this season more convinced that Marcus Freeman knows what he's doing and is the right guy to lead them than I did going into the season, even including the Marshall loss, the Stanford loss, which mm-hmm. I know were terrible things that should never happen at Notre Dame. And yet he didn't lose the locker room or the staff after it. In fact, they've played some of their best ball coming out of those losses. Um, but, you know, we, we knew it would be an uneven kind of growth pattern, especially early on. But I, I come out of this year more convinced than ever. Now, if they lose the Gator Bowl and half the roster goes in the transfers portal, I have the right to reverse my opinion on that one. But right now is now's the time everyone's going to the portal. And outside of Drew Pine, uh, there, aren't, there haven't been any surprises as far as Notre Dame's concerned. Now we got to see what they do. As far as adding from the portal, because that's going to be right. something to monitor the months ahead. But as far as just like the in-season stuff, um, I, I'm more impressed than not. Yeah, I think that he did a good job overall. And it's interesting to sort of view it from your perspective there about the fact that he lost Tyler Buckner led to him showing probably even more growth than he wanted to. Um, Cause that just, and, he, and Freeman has mentioned this multiple times in November, like in ter- when people ask like, Hey, what did you learn? What'd you learn? What'd you learn? And I was like, you learn that like how you envision everything to go ain't how it's going. <laughs> uh, and you got to be probably even more flexible and adaptable than he thought he was going to have to be. So I think that's, that's significant. That's I think something that, will serve him well moving forward. Um, Yeah, I think that that will be a a fun interview conversation with Marcus after the year when you sort of like audit the entire season. Um, And I sort of, I think about that in terms of the story that I wrote in the spring talking to Shane Beamer and Tom Allen and Bob Stoops and Clark Lee about, you know, what do you learn as a first time head coach that maybe you didn't expect to have to learn. Um, And I think that Freeman is, is, learn to be even more adaptable than he would have wanted to be or he want or he expected to be. Cause I think that his, I mean, his steadiness has been good. Um, but I think that he's had to, he's had to grow in some kind of uncomfortable ways over the course of the season that have, if I was Notre Dame, I would, I would feel like you do, Matt, like more confident about where things are going with him than less. Um, Cause I mean, the recruiting is going to be good. They're going to finish probably with a top five class. If they, they hang on to Peyton Bowen, they definitely will finish with the top five class. Um, and, you know, they, they've scrapped and clawed and figured out how to solve the quarterback 
situation in high school recruiting. Now they need to do the same in transfer recruiting. But uh, I think overall, I think Freeman's had a good year. I don't know what um, – and one thing we, we did talk to Freeman about on Saturday is sort of the timeline for transfer portal stuff. It sounded like my, – my understanding is they're in the mode of identifying who they want right now and then, and then pivoting towards the recruiting of that person. Um, so that – that may still be a ways away. And like, I think the timeline for Jack Cohn's transfer to Notre Dame is, I think notable that happened after, I think after the national championship game. So that's right after, right. I feel like, yeah, yeah, I would have guessed guessed December from memory, but now that you're saying that, yeah. And it was very, I mean, he was a low key guy, but that was a very, you know, maybe it happened right before, but I, I do remember talking to one of Jack Cohn's high school teammates and him saying that, or one of his trainers and saying that they actually watched the Alabama Notre Dame game together. Uh, and at that point, Jack was not publicly committed to Notre Dame. So January 4th. So yeah, it would have been right after that game. Yeah. So point being for listeners, um, we still may be weeks away, but I, I do believe talking to sources around the program that Notre Dame basically knows there are three guys that they're really in on. Um, my belief is Hudson Card is one of them. Uh, and then, you know, Michael Pratt from Tulane is a name that you hear a lot. I don't know who the third guy is, my, I, but I don't think it's somebody that's quite in the portal. So this game line opened at Notre Dame, given five and a half. It's down to two and a half. Uh, saw a South Carolina contingent in Vegas. Their belief is Spencer Rattler definitely isn't going to transfer. It's only a matter of is he going to declare for the draft and when you do that these days you more often than not skip the bowl game um that said south carolina has a quarterback as of today december 12th Notre Dame does not nor does Notre Dame have their two best players in michael mayer and isaiah foskey i'm surprised notre dame is favored in this one right now given what we know about both rosters and given the way we've seen both these teams play their last time out i I am too. It's not a game that I would bet in any shape or form. Um, it there's just too. I mean, what South Carolina lost its OC, right? Like they're they lost their OC. They lost their tight end, right? I think. Yeah, I mean, they've had some a couple opt outs, not at quarterback. They're um, getting up for this. I mean, their fans are like to your point, four four hours away. Like, there's going to be right. South. I mean, there'll be a Notre Dame contingent because there's a Notre Dame contingent everywhere. That's why they're playing in Dublin next yeah. year. But like, I mean, it's it's. Is it dissimilar from the Camping World Bowl where Iowa State was really up for it, but Iowa State just wasn't that good? Possible. But, I mean, who – Notre Dame had a full roster then, no? They had a quarterback. Um, they had Claypool. They had they had players. I mean, yeah, this team has players too, but their best players are leaving, and we don't know who's going to play quarterback. Yeah, it's – By the way, Brock Purdy, uh, shout out <laughs> – Beating Tom that Brady. Was the quarterback I, that was the quarterback <laughs> that I picked in the Camping World Bowl. I just want to. You were right. You're proven right. Yes. Four, three years later, he's had more starts than Ian Book has in the NFL. Beat Tom Brady. Yeah. Was um, it two to one? Oh, that's right. Oh, no. It's one to one. You're right. Book, one to book one. did All start right. last year. Uh, more wins, I should say. Um, yeah, that was something. Brock Purdy. Brock, Brocktober. Exactly. Uh, he, uh, good for him. It's, did not see that coming. I, I, I wonder if this game. Um, well, I get. I get the hesitancy to maybe pick Notre Dame from a from a gambling point of view, or like to look at the line and be like, "How oh, is Notre Dame favored without Mayer and Foskey and without an established quarterback?" 
I do wonder if it's going to be one of those games where like, oh, Notre Dame's offensive and defensive lines are that much better than 90% of other schools out there, um, South Carolina included. Like, I, I think that Notre Dame's offensive line should be able to shove South Carolina all over the field. Um, Mayor's loss is very significant, um, but for Reese and the run game, you know, do you throw out a lot of 21 personnel to get you know, look, Audric Estime was not healthy at the end of the year. He's He'll be healthier now. Um, I believe he had kind of a turf toe. So, I I mean, I sort of view Notre Dame as like, I understand why they're favorites um, with all the uncertainty. But, like, it's it's another game Notre Dame has played this year where, like, the quarterback, they, they're at a quarterback disadvantage. Um, they've, Assu- won yeah, some, assu- they've won some plays, of those, yeah. right? Um you know they they've won some of the games or they've been at a quarterback disadvantage but um i just i think when you're playing non elite level competition and south carolina is not like south carolina got blown up at florida so i realize they also blew out tennessee and like which looked like an out of body experience but i think that notre dame's line play leads me to lean towards notre dame in the game but it's not a game where I think you go and think of, like, oh, Notre Dame is going to crush them. Um, the, probably because Spencer Rattler is legit as he's playing I, right now. Yeah, risk of oversimplifying it. I think if Rattler plays, I'll pick South Carolina. If he doesn't, I'll pick Notre Dame. I mean, it, there w- there's a lot of value to be had on these bowl lines if you get them early enough and basically hope and pray that your intuitions are right. Like, <laughs> we don't know if Bryce Young's going to play for Alabama. Uh, a lot of people have already transferred and opted out for Alabama in that line. Um, against Kansas State continues to drop. I mean, uh, old friend Brian Kelly went from a six and a half point favorite to a ten and a half point favorite over Purdue after Jeff Brom left, and Purdue's down to one of the Brom brothers as their interim coach. So, the 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 uncertainty, uh, the, the gambling on bowl bowls is quite a quite a business. So I'll, I'll, I'll say that. I don't know how all this will ultimately shake out. It'll be. I did a little bit last week looking at some of the early line movements, but there's just going to be more and more. The more and more. You see some of these opt-outs. It's been that crazy. Um, do you have any scorching hot take about Michael Mayer not making the Mackey or not winning the Mackey Award to Brock Bowers? Uh, I'm I'm glad that it's over because um, <laughs> I feel like that this was like an ongoing uh, PR campaign waged with anyone either covering Notre Dame or working at Notre Dame. Uh, I think they waged a little too late. I think they could have done yeah. more for him on the front end and. Instead of yeah. complaining afterward, it was. Um, I think Mayer should have won. I don't think it is the uh, affront to the senses that perhaps it's been made out to be um, by some I, I people thought you were, in Notre Dame. They're going to say Quinn and Nelson at Oliver Fears guy. No, which it was like that was that bad. Was a, I didn't. I didn't that think was it was egregious. terrible, but it was bad. It was bad. Like Quentin Nelson, like Ed Oliver had a great year before that year, right? Quentin Nelson was like a freaking dominant ass kicking football player from start to finish. Like Quentin Nelson changed. I think the way we all think of guard play, like who the hell watched guards before Quentin Nelson? Who got drafted in the top 10 as a guard before Quentin Nelson? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, a position that goes in the second round. Uh, and he went in the top 10. So like Michael Mayer is a hell of a college football player. Um, and some of the contested catches he made at made at Notre Dame were just, absurd um Brock Bowers is 
like the difference between Brock Bowers and Michael Mayer, I think, is way closer than probably a lot of people around Notre Dame would like to admit. Um, I campaigned for Mike Mayer to be our first time, first team tight end on the Athletics All American team, and I was, I won the day on that one. Um, but uh, the fact that like. Mayor's going to be first team all American in some things, and Bowers is going to be first team all American in some other things. Like, that seems about right. It's just like the Mackey Award. I think if the Mackey Award had made Mayor a finalist last year, like <laughs> maybe this would be better, but like that award was sort of on everyone's shit list around Notre Dame um, <laughs> since there was like open campaigning at the end of last season. And then Notre Dame played at Syracuse where John Mackey went to school and Mayer was good, like there too. Like it's um I did not know I, John Mackey went to school at Syracuse. Yeah. You learn something new every day. Um yeah. So that was yeah. I, I didn't have a huge problem with it. Um but I under, I understand like why people kind of freaked out at least a little bit about it. I'm now like going through the like guard history trying to figure out like I think Quinn Nelson may have like single-handedly changed the way people do look at guards there was okay Garnett from Stanford in, in 2016 but was a first rounder but he was picked 28th um yeah. Brandon Scherf Iowa 15 they have him listed as a guard here I feel like I remember him being a tackle but there have been there's been a run on guards since then um Sean Slater Kenyon Green and Slater also was a tackle um at Northwestern I might think of, I I, I like both these guys, Bowers and Mayer, freaking studs. Like I don't think either got snubbed. Like, uh, they're like I'm fine with Notre Dame and his teammates like going crazy, sticking up for him. Yeah, I can do without our course. peers in the media acting like fanboys. I mean, <laughs> Brock Bowers had more yards from scrimmage than Michael Mayer, 819, if you include rushing yards. Michael Merritt, 809. They both had nine total touchdowns. Like, both are awesome. Um, I could make the argument either way. I'm, I don't have snap counts in front of me. I'm guessing my, Brock Bowers had a hell of a lot less than Michael Mayer. I'd also argue Brock Bowers is playing on a team of first-team All-Americans uh, where it's a lot easier to make plays, whereas every single person in every building Notre Dame played in this year knew exactly when the ball was going to Michael Mayer, and he still made the play time after time again. Both guys are awesome. Yep. Both guys are going to be first-round picks. Bowers next year, Mayer this year. Um, I look forward to seeing them both at the next level and hopefully never having to bitch about either one ever again because it takes away from the beauty of watching both those guys play. <laughs> yeah, I think that I would I would give the nod to Mayer based on Notre Dame's lack. They played almost identical snaps about seven. Did they really? 50. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's almost identical. Uh, Mayer was 762 and Bowers, I think, was like 750, uh, 759. So they're three snaps apart. Okay. Um, I, I would, uh, gun to head, if I have to choose one, I would choose Mayer. I don't think there's a wrong answer. I would too. Um, I think he's, you know, he's certainly a better blocker, but I, I think that his run blocking still has got a lot of room for improvement. Um, his ability to make contested catches is elite. Bowers is very good too, but I think, and this is not, I don't think this is a reason that Mayer should win the award, even though I, it would be the reason I would break the tie for him is what you said. Georgia has a Heisman Trophy finalist at quarterback and a bunch <laughs> yeah, of dudes sure. all over the place I on offense. Right. I guess you're right about that. Yeah, I'm technically <laughs> right. Um, Notre Dame doesn't. And everybody knew the ball had to go to him. I mean, some of the throws that Pine made to him, made to Mayer were just like, 
the wrong decision for everyone else, but the right decision because it was mayor and he'd go up and beat three guys. Like I believe he threw a pass into quadruple coverage against USC to mayor. I mean, think about like how many guys are playing defense. If four are guarding one of them, there has to be someone running wide open. And yet the right decision was throw the ball to the tight end because he caught it and converted a first down. So it, um, it was not, it was not the end of the world. Uh, I think Quentin Nelson not winning. I can't remember. Was it the Outland Award to Ed Oliver? Sounds, sounds about right. That was more egregious. Zach Martin not making any All-American teams was the most egregious. That one to me is the ultimate. We've watched this guy. like th- That was me like NFL draft Knicks overthinking themselves, right? Like We watched that guy play pretty much every snap for his career at a high level. We knew he was awesome. We knew he was going to be really good wherever he ended up. And it was one of those guys who was not on anyone's radar at all during college as far as like projecting the next level. And then it's like, he played the national championship game. I mean, what, and, and, what I know the hell? Like, but, and yet, like, he gets to the combine, he gets goes through all the pre-draft stuff, and it's like all these NFL general managers like, oh yeah, this guy who's been really good for four years is also really good at all the other nonsense we look at. And the fact that like, he's the one who got picked instead of Johnny Football, who was the wrong pick for like all the other reasons, uh, I just thought was 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 pretty poetic. Like anyone yeah. who watched Zach Martin play knew what you were going to get with him. Yeah. So May- Mayor is in probably the top five of terrible award snubs. Um, like I thought Julian Love wasn't a Thorpe finalist and should have been um, when he had like like twenty PBUs in a season. But um, he's been saving my Giants as bacon this year, yeah. albeit rough one yesterday. Yeah, two Julian Love mentions on this podcast, <laughs> but I would say Martin won. Quentin Nelson nope. too oh, in say, terms of I, yeah. subs, and then Mayor would be no higher than third. Um, I just don't know if I look at this as a snub. Like, like he lost a really good. But the, yeah. the other thing in in Bowers, I don't know if you say it's favor or against him. Like Darnell Washington's really good too. Like Georgia's tight end room is amazing. Yeah, um, there's no doubt. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Uh, before we wrap up, Notre Dame will face three new co- head coaches next year, which is not something I would have expected at all um, two weeks ago. But Ken Niamatololo uh, stepping down or eh, stepping down, being shown very the door. Generous, um, yeah. Jeff Brom is the new head coach at Louisville, and um, David Shaw retired as well. So it's uh, there's a lot, a lot of new blood. I'm curious your takes on that. Uh, 
Will it be four new if Ryan Day gets Michigan in the championship game and loses to them for the second time in two months? <laughs> Probably not, but let's talk about it. Uh, they're playing Tennessee State and not Jackson State because I was told they didn't want to deal with the Deion Sanders circus, and that would have been another coach that would have been on their schedule who will not um, be there next year. I, look, the first one's most interesting because it's the first one because Ken Niamatololo, uh is as kind of identifiable with his program as anyone Notre Dame has faced over the years. It's the first game of the year. It's week zero. It's in Dublin. Um, don't know what Navy's going to do there. I, I, I would guess more likely than not, they promote Brian Newberry, their defense coordinator, to the head of the table there. But certainly uh, a rivalry that will look different. Um and look, e- even in a, another down year for Navy, uh, Coach Ken had those guys swinging above their weight. I mean, they they gave Notre Dame a hell of a fight late in the season. They ended up upsetting UCF on the road uh, late in the season as well. Um, so that's a thorn in Notre Dame's side who will no longer be there, albeit I think Navy as a program is still going to be a, uh, a pain in the you-know-what to deal with year in and year out. Um, David Shaw, you know, I'm, I'm as a fan of the game, I'm happy he stepped down before things got worse than they did. Um, crazy enough, he does go out with, as a winner in his last game uh, against Notre Dame. Um, they hired Troy Taylor from Sacramento State, uh, who I spent uh, way too many hours watching Friday night. I don't know if you watched that one against an incarnate <laughs> I did not. word. I, I, I was, I mean, yeah, the the Jason Garrett uh, oh, yeah. hot, hot minute there was kind of fun for Notre Dame fans. But I thought he was going to bring Jack Collinsworth as his chief of staff, but. SID at least. Um, <laughs> you know, what, I, I'm curious about what, how much do you know about Taylor? Because that's not somebody that I'm all that I, familiar with. I remember him as an OC at Utah and he was good there. I, I, I'm lying to you if I say I followed him at Sacramento State beyond his name came up for this job. I looked him up. His record was really good this year. He's undefeated. Uh, I also had the presence of mind to notice that five of their six games going into the Incarnate Word game were decided by a touchdown or less. And he had one foot out the door. So I bet Incarnate Word plus seven and stayed up till 2 a.m. Friday (laughs) watching that game, which was amazing. I mean, Great game, 66-63. Stanford, for comparison's sake, scored 67 points in the entire month of November, so you get why they want an offensive guy coming to coach them. Uh, He called two onside kicks in the fourth quarter, recovered both of them, and still ended up losing, uh, Mm -hmm. in large part because he had two timeouts on the final drive and didn't use them, and they ended up losing. Um, They did not complete a Hail Mary at the end. It was a big day, big weekend for me Saturday. Uh, started a college basketball show on, on BetQL, but more importantly, took my kid to see Bluey at the Chicago Theater Saturday morning, and I was deplete, sleep deprived, but a little richer for it after staying up watching that Incarnate Word upset. <laughs> Great show, by the way. If you have kids under the age of five, it's only 45 minutes. Tickets were very cheap. We had a blast. I may have had more fun than anyone else in my family did during that, but it was a lot of fun. And the third one was at Jeff Brom. Um, we know, look, there are no secrets with Jeff Brom. You know the kind of offense he's going to run. You know he's good for a trick player or two every game. It seems like he's done a pretty good job in a short period of time of, of um, stabilizing that Louisville recruiting class, which I believe was in the top 25 at the time of Scott Satterfield's departure to Cincinnati. Um, Steve Clark, Pierce Clarkson, right? Steve's son, yeah, uh, the quarterback. quarterback. is, is like, kind of the, If you're an offensive skill player, why wouldn't you want to play for Jeff Right. Brown? Actually, I take that back. The, the running back... Um, Ruben Owens. Left for A&M. Yeah. So that's, that's significant, especially if you're Louisville. But if you can get 
Clarkson and keep that Adidas pipeline coming through the Derby City. Um, you're going to be good. And look, Louisville, I thought Scott Sarville's a really good coach. Notre Dame fans will remember him from his debut in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately for him, that was the best job he did in four years at Louisville. You know, he interviewed for South Carolina afterward, and it just kind of did not. Um, he had a hard time, I think, repairing trust uh, in the city from then on out. And every time Jeff Rahm opened his mouth, uh, it just created a situation where it worked out perfectly for both sides. Like Scott Satterfield left for a Big 12 job now in Cincinnati. Louisville did not have to pay his buyout. And they're able to bring Jeff Brom home. And, and you know, with the way the way their men's basketball program has played under Kenny Payne so far, they needed some good news with the way everything that's unfolded there the last decade or so. They needed some good news, and they finally got it in the form of Jeff Brom. So I'm excited to see what he does back home Uh at Louisville. The other one uh, on the subject of Louisville, old friend Lance, Ta- Lance Taylor, right. new head coach at Western Michigan. Good for him. A- able to, I, he never even came on the show and I feel like he got a, a never, shamrock bump. Never Good called a play in his life and he got yeah. a head coaching job in the back. Yeah, that him. was that was pretty wild. It's it's interesting, these Mac jobs, because I, f- I feel like 20 years ago, they were sort of seen as stepping stones for Big Ten jobs. And I don't think that's really the case anymore. Um, you know, PJ Fleck went on to do it um but there chuck martin's you know, lance, been stuck lance, there 10 lance years Leopold did it um, lance Leopold did i mean but he went to kansas like right now it's he's like, done a great job there but it took yeah. him longer than it should have right uh, and to that, get yeah, there. his his resume going into the mac was right. much more accomplished than, than sean lewis other. left kent to become an oc in colorado right. so it's i mean those are those are tough jobs um but if you want to be a head coach and there are there are a lot of coaches that I think would take a fifty percent pay cut as power five coordinators to become a head coach just because that's what they want to do with their career. Um I don't know if it's I mean, yes, like Chuck Martin's an example of that. Yeah. But I do think the reverse is every bit as true now. If you're there if you're at one spot in the yeah. back for five or more years. I think you want to try it though. Like, isn't that, I think for no, a think lot you, of coaches I, that we know, like you want to, you want to say that you took a shot at it. No, you definitely do. Like it's, but once you do it, like great example, Jason candle just won his second Mac title at Toledo. Uh, maybe he's up for the Purdue job. Maybe he's not, I don't know. Um, but next year is the last year of his contract and he still hasn't gotten an extension. And yeah, Look, there are people there who would say no one's done less with more than Jason Candle. When you look at the talent on hand, there are people who would say, who can say they have multiple MAC titles? No one um, in that league right now can. Mm-hmm. It's just really tough. I just feel like you're forever, exception to two or maybe three jobs in that conference, you're forever boxed in as a 500 coach. Like Tim Lester wasn't a bad coach, but he had a bad year. Didn't look like he was going to be able to reverse it. He gets fired at Western Michigan. Um, Chuck Martin, you know, I think we all had in mind he would one day be in the running to be a head coach at Notre Dame years on out from the right. time he left as an OC at Notre Dame to become the head coach at Miami. He even won a MAC title while there. And from my understanding, you know, they were four and six this year. They won out to go bowling. I think if he lost one of those two games, he would have been fired. And even if he was, which would have been unfortunate, that's he's been what? That was his ninth year in Oxford. That's an eternity at one job eighth, in the Mac. Yeah. At least eighth, right? Because I think it's was first start in 14, 14. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's really, really hard to win consistently there. It just is. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt about it. And yeah, well, it, um, it, it definitely spices up the opening of Notre Dame schedule next year. Uh, but I mean, the Brahm at Louisville 
I don't think that's going to turn around in year one, but um, that could that could be depending on what year you draw Louisville on the schedule. That that's a threat now uh, in a way that Satterfield kind of maybe felt like it was going to get there, and like I guess to be fair, Satterfield's two games against Notre Dame as Louisville's head coach. The first one felt like Louisville was in great shape in the first quarter, and then Notre Dame's talent rose to the occasion. The one in South Bend, actually, I think was like oh, it actually was a good game, right? Yeah, yeah. Forgot well, it wasn't a good game to watch. Mark, but it was it's a close, close game. game, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's. It'll be interesting to sort of see that how that shapes or reshapes the dynamics of Notre Dame's schedule moving forward. If if Stanford is now down, maybe for a while, um, that's significant to to Notre Dame's schedule overall because that <laughs> that that was a rivalry that I feel like is <laughs> but, just you're, we're getting into Walt Harris, Buddy Tevens territory. Pete, all of a sudden. Pete, they're pretty down this year, and that seemed to hurt Notre Dame too. So yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That, I mean, there, look, there's a reason that game is more inexplicable than losing to Marshall. Um, that one, I 100% agree with It's you. because Stanford was god-awful, and Notre Dame just did not show in that game. So that's, uh, that, for, that is up there with Michigan in 2019 in terms of a WTF performance from Notre Fair. Dame that I think will never fully be explained, um, even if we, I think we have some let's un, Let's end on a happy note because that was dark. Uh, Drake Bowen. <laughs> High school Buckus Award winner, Nerd yes. Commit. Spent <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot host, of time talking about the other Bowen. Yeah, this host Marcus Freeman last night. Um, and, uh, I saw that he was holding his like baby brother. Was it? I'm, I think so. Um, yeah, it's uh, he's from the region. Which uh, my wife being from Valparaiso, that that part of the, the, the state region, of Indi- like capital, the, re- the region, capital yeah. T, capital yeah. R. Um, yes. That place is uh, very near and dear to my heart. Uh, I've given a great, talk. Great to outlet the, mall there. <laughs> oh yeah, given a talk to the Notre Dame Club of Northwest Indiana. There are some salt of the earth people. Um, I went and saw Drake Bowen play a playoff game his junior year of high school, and he looks like a real pain in the ass to play against. Um, nice kid, super mean football player on the field. Um, so I think he will be a fan favorite for. A I, lot I of met Notre him. I met a group in Vegas before the uh, BYU game uh, at Javier's. Uh, they were having lunch, and I went over to say hello on the way to the game, and uh, I didn't realize it was a huge like lunch party, and Drake Bog was there, and it was dark, and it was just kind of like, hey, nice to meet you. And I was like, wait, that was Drake Bowen? This guy looks like – he doesn't look like a high school kid. Let me put it that no. way. <laughs> no, he's a big linebacker. Like I think Notre Dame is Notre Dame has not had a lot of like he's legit six three. Um, he was sitting huge, down, but he still looked very. He's a huge dude, so it'll be interesting to sort of see how that shakes out moving forward. Yeah, so like half this class is doing early enrollment. And he's one of them. I mean, as far as I should probably double check that before I say it, but um, <laughs> I mean he's been committed to Notre Dame for so long that uh, you know he's been instrumental in this class kind of holding together as much as it has. Um, so. Yeah, that uh, early enrollment, those guys will be here in less than a month. Uh, Notre Dame's signing day is less than two, about two weeks. The Gator Bowl is in three and a half weeks. Um, there's a lot coming down the pipe for Notre Dame football. So I think we'll be back next week. I'm still efforting to get our um, our favorite bald guest to appear on the podcast. So hopefully we can make that happen for a scouting report of South Carolina. But if you don't have anything else, Matt, any other kid show recommendations, um, we can we can wrap up this episode of the Shamrock. Blue, Bluey's all I got right now. I don't know if they're coming your way, but if they are, 
drive down to, well, you're closer to Chicago than Indianapolis, but I think my kids might have it. aged out of, uh, that, that we may, we may be hitting how, how a generation. I haven't aged out of it. How have your kids <laughs> aged out of it? <laughs> we see a generation gap between our children here. Um, but yeah, we will, uh, we'll be with you all month getting ready for the Gator Bowl. Um, I know if we've mentioned doing sort of a live room show at some point, we need to do that before the bowl game. I think the last one we did was right before the Fiesta Bowl. So Correct. Maybe we can get some different juju going for Notre Dame with our live room this time. <laughs> so on that note, we'll wrap up. He's Matt. I'm Pete. Thanks for being with us on the latest episode of the show.